And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. My name's Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up here on the beautiful Smith River in the great state of Jefferson. Spring is here. It's fully unfolded. Uh, the um, uh, I got about a thousand starts getting in the ground. And then, of course, now I guess we've got rain coming and potential freeze. So uh, that's uh, how the dominoes fall up here in the lower Pacific Northwest, but I know the weather has been crazy all over the world, so I'm not complaining because, Bear, it's been pretty nice here of late and pretty stable, and I know we're going to have a great growing season. So uh, my favorite time of the year, uh, I was just at the farm and got to see all that's going on at Alpha Vedic Gardens. It's really impressive. I actually shot a little video I've been meaning to put up so I'll put that up on Patreon so uh, our patrons can kind of get a little behind the scenes of what's going on on the farm. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's our favorite time of the year um, uh, as we get into growing season. Uh, today, we've got the great Marty Leeds on the show. We're going to talk about uh, prophecy. Marty was uh, recently on with us on Reunion Summit. It was great having Marty on. He was on there on, on one of my favorite broadcasts of the entire week. Uh, if you're not familiar with Reunion Summit, you can go watch all 41 plus work talks, workshops, interviews. Uh, you can own the whole thing for, I think, for like 59 bucks. It's an amazing deal considering who is on there from Catherine Austin Fitz to Sayer G, Kelly Brogan, Andrew Kaufman, of course, the great Dr. Bear Lando. I had one of my favorite talks for the whole week on there as well. Uh, so it's very well worth it. And you're supporting a great cause, a great community. Um, that is something that Josh Del Sol, Alpha Vedic, and everyone involved is continuing continuing on as we move into music and sky which marty leeds is coming to super excited about um so if you want all this information about everything we're up to you can go to alphavedic.com uh a-l-f-a-v-e-d-i-c.com we do have a gofundme going right now too uh to support our um building out our education center uh and commercial center for um helping uh, our community come to the farm and learn about permaculture biodynamic farming uh spagyrics and all the wonderful things we love to talk about which is so dear to our heart uh, so check that out. It's all on alphavedic.com. And if you are interested in coming out to Music and Sky uh, round two, it is in the Western Sierras by Yosemite. You can go to musicandsky.com. That is the weekend of July 4th. It is a wonderful, beautiful gathering of like-minded souls. We'll, do, we'll be doing all sorts of breath work and uh, uh, wonderful yoga type workshops. And then of course, have a bunch of amazing speakers there. Uh, and like I said, Marty will be there. He is confirmed. So we are super, super excited about that. Uh, okay, let's jump into the show today. Like I said, we'll be discussing prophecy with Marty Leeds. Uh, he doesn't really need much of an introduction here. We've had him on the show before, and we know our communities kind of merge a little bit, Marty. But um, on this episode, we, we will explore the mathematics, symbolism, astrology, and sheer mysticism that is encoded within Gnostic Christianity and the prophecies of the ages. In Marty Leeds' own words, I am a genuine seeker of truth. I am not afraid to discuss any issues or talk about any subject. I am not an expert on anything, nor do I declare myself any sort of guru, prophet, or spiritual guide. I certainly am no saint. I often explain my role as a teacher of the mysteries and a uh, preacher of the heart. I wish to share with you the things I have learned along the way, the light I have gained, the wrongs I have made, and how I see the world. The mathematical, symbolic, and linguistic work that I teach has been rooted in my own personal journey to God. 
I teach about many different schools of thought and I cover many different subjects and topics. But ultimately, my main focus is that of sharing and teaching what I have come to learn about Gnostic Christianity, the mathematics, symbolism, astrology, and sheer mysticism that is encoded within the Holy Bible, and moreover, how those encodings withhold a sacred science of apotheosis. Wow. And that is one of my favorite topics. I've been uh, really, like I was telling Marty last week, I've, I've had kind of a reemergence of interest in the Gospels, thanks partly to the show Chose, The Chosen, which I've been watching with my family. But also, um, as Barry and I talk about, we're, uh, we come from a Catholic background. We joke we're Reformed Catholics. So um, the years of Bible school that I had growing up um, definitely uh, got me to the point in college where I rejected it all. But what's funny is I've come full fold and um, while gardening, I'm listening to literally lectures on the Gospels this for the last week. And I, it's been actually really entertaining and I'm really enjoying it. Um, and so this is going to be a fun show. Dr. Bear Lando, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, wonderful weather out there. Spring is sprung, a uh, lot of stuff going on in the uh, farm. We're in like hyperdrive here. It's just crazy busy, but a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah, I kind of uh, turned away from Catholicism in oh, about the, the, the seventh or eighth grade there when uh, on Friday, I ate a, a ravioli with meat in it and, and then uh, failed to confess it in the confessional because it was a mortal sin. I was afraid to tell the priest and that's a sacrilege. And so I figured, hey, I'm I'm destined for eternal damnation now, no matter what I do. So <laughs> so I took a separate path as I'm toast, you know, I'm done so I can do whatever I want. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was an interesting story. And that was old school Catholicism. I mean, that was back in the day. Hey, <clears throat> <laughs> Marty, great to have you here again. Thanks for being with us and uh, really looking forward to talking to you again. You know, you're one of my favorite folks out there because I feel safe about talking about anything. You know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I just swallowed my tea the wrong way. Um, you know, we travel in a lot of circles. We talk about a lot of things and a lot of guests and things I do in my private life. I always have to be careful about what I talk about. And even if I'm talking to somebody in the, you know, what we loosely call the truth movement these days, uh, you know, some subject matter is, is good. But then if I go into other stuff that I'm into, then I think, uh, you know, they think I'm a whack job. So, uh, you know, you're always trying to say, okay, what can I talk about? And Marty, you're one of those eclectic guys. It's just truly after the, the, the truth and, you know, looking at things more as a functional whole, how do things, you know, work together. And that's where I come from. So, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we're supposed to, I guess, uh, maybe get into prophecy and things uh, today, but I think a good place to start for me, because it's where I come from, um, you know, is it's all about resonance and, uh, what I do is I work on bodies, I, I grow things on the farm, I concoct things in my lab. And, uh, you know, all I want to know is how things work, you know, so I come from a very practical, functional level. So I don't have your mathematical mind, Marty, but I do look at numbers quite a bit, but I look at numbers more in, um, in terms of resonance, and what that resonance creates 
and does to enhance what I try to do. So, uh, you know, I'm creating some new planting beds, uh, you know, on the farm here. And, you know, we do a lot of rock borders. So I'm always paying attention to numbers of uh, stones around planting beds. And then I actually measure them in certain ways that I know how. And you find that certain numbers of things create a very real resonance, you know, and, and we also know that certain kinds of resonance enhance and bring in like golden mean energy, we could call it. Mm -hmm. And golden mean en energy, you know, we also know is that energy that's at the center of all things. It's really not a location or a place, but it's that creative spark that's there no matter what geometrical shape. If you go to the center, we measure that golden mean, you know, that 1.6 or the 16. So, um, you know, what I'm getting at is when I then, you know, maybe take 16 boulders and it creates an effect on my plants uh, to enhance their growth. But then if I write down the abstract uh, numeral 16 or 1.6 doesn't matter and I measure it, nothing happens. So, the abstract symbol really doesn't do anything, but the actual number of things does create the resonance. Mm -hmm. So you're, uh, you know, I don't want to typecast you into the Gematria guy or, or any such thing, because I know you do a lot more than that. But maybe, uh, you know, I kind of have a hunch that the prophets of all times and these great folks had uh, ways of mathematically tuning in on a resonant basis and being able to you know, look forward and backward in ways that most people think is not possible. So maybe as a starting point, uh, you can help me, you know, understand how what I do deciphers into the things that you've been involved. And then maybe we can extrapolate that in, you know, eventually in the discussion and, you know, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but thanks again for being here. Really, really fun to have you. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, I, Math is, it's a, it is a language. It's what I've come to understand. It's, it's, uh, and so the, a lot of people that see numbers, they see them as numb. And in one sense, they are like, as you were saying, the number 16 doesn't really mean anything. It's only when you actually go into the number itself and, or number five or whatever it is and realize that there's, these things are like living principles of nature itself. Okay. Um, obviously what I would call them cosmic emanations or the, the wills of God, that language is the same for everybody and everybody when you look at the qualities attributes of numbers and their associations in geometry they're the exact same for everyone there doesn't matter who you are where you come from where you go and so that there's a ubiquitousness and a, a universality to that language and it is we look at math maybe not you and i or but whatever but lots and lots of people look at math as very sort of like cold dead dry artifacts of nature that's just fumbling equations and it's just dry and cold and that sort of thing and you realize that no light numbers like breathe a, uh there's a life to them you know and you can see those express in nature so and the numbers actually come with philosophies behind them you were mentioning the golden ratio i just happened to be writing in my next book a chapter i'm going over each of the numbers zero one two three four five six seven eight nine and i just happen to be on five so and one of the things you'll find is in the pentagram which is the number five you'll find the golden mean you'll the 1.618 you'll find that so you have this this fundamental ratio of growth that's found all over nature in inanimate and animate objects which shows it's how ubiquitous it truly is and you find this entire thing this entire uh, ratio of growth um, you know, once again, the balancing point, because that's really what a mean is, 
you see all express that's that's in a number one single number and it's geometry so that is once again i see that as cosmic intelligence i see that as a design signature of god so those things are alive and and you know real you know and i think when you align yourselves with that in all the ways that you can whether that's resonance whether that's studying numeric symbolism getting into geometry doing sacred geometry all sorts of things the natural forces of that are within those harmonious balance that sort of thing is going to emanate out of it you know that's why harmony and resonance is so important because especially if you look at i mean we can go into like somatics and things like that, right? Where it's like, you see, well, just there's a natural geometry that forms. Well, that, when that natural geometry forms, that's the intelligence, the creation itself coming out, expressing itself, you know? And, and, and once again, you look at something like the golden ratio, that's like balance, that's, that's growth, that's harmony, that's all of those things. So if you, if you align yourself with that, what you're actually doing is aligning yourself with the intelligence of creation itself. And that's why I always say, and if you look back, it's pretty much unquestionable. If you look at the, all the, the great seekers, mystics, philosophers, sages, all that sort of stuff, they were all polymaths. They realized that behind all of these different studies, whether that's biology or architecture or our language, there is a mathematical base behind there. And that mathematical base leads to the creator, you know, so that's that, you know, and I don't, so I don't have a, you know, I might be have some strong suits in like gamatria or sacred geometry or number symbolism, that sort of thing. But and but I might not know anything about math and economics. But what's so interesting is while I was researching something about 1.618 this morning, an economics thing came up where there's people were talking about, hey, how to use the golden ratio in order to, you know, it's, and it's like, well, of course, if you understand that it's universal, that's the common thing you should find. That's rational to find that in all of these different areas. So, I mean, that's the best way I can mm -hmm. describe that, you know? Yeah. So maybe that resonance and, you know, segueing into our whole prophecy discussion, you know, is happening on all multidimensionally, you know, large and small. And of course the Bible, which I think is a, a set of uh, amazing stories, and of course, it's been very selective as far as what's made it into Christianity and a lot of good stuff left out. But, you know, one of the main themes is uh, all is within the kingdom of heaven is within. And if uh, we look up in the sky, as we think about it, uh, you know, you have uh, positions of different, um, you know, different constellations and so forth. And those are all creating angles. You know, I'm always looking for the angle and things because that's what we measure. You know, waveforms are just different kinds of angles. And uh, when certain constellations are prominent, of course, that's creating a different angulation along that waveform that is actually within us also, because now we're resonating with whatever you want to think, you know, the top of the dome or the, the sky or, you know, it doesn't matter. And that is creating a resonance. So, you know, when we're farming and, and that sort of thing, you know, we pay attention to those sorts of things. Uh, you know, we use cell salts and, and, and things like that because they match up the resonance with different constellations, you know, which to use when at what time. And, uh, you know, again, it's all about understanding how we're a microcosm of that resonance and then using uh, learning how to use it. So now, 
if uh, if I'm going back and trying to get in the minds of one of these polymaster prophets, you know, it seems very sensible to me that I could understand that resonance and understand how these resonances keep cycling in certain ways and also look at larger cycles, you know, beyond just the annual cycles and have kind of a clear picture of which way we're headed and what's happening up there. So is that, uh, you know, maybe how these guys were looking at things? I think you're, I think you're spot on because first off, when you get into, um, at least when I got into math, what the, one of the first things that you'll, I shouldn't say one of the first things, but one of what you'll eventually come to is the recognition that we don't necessarily, we may experience time in a linear sense, but we don't really live in linear time. And almost all of the great cultures, theologians, whatever, will express this. This is no different than saying, Jesus saying, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. What he's saying is that the first point is the last point, and they're all on one circle. The sun reminds us of that every single day. It starts in one place and goes over ahead and goes over there. And then the next day, you know, so Marty Leeds as a great prophet is going to say, everybody listen to me. The sun shall riseth in the east tomorrow in 24 hours. Well, of course, because it's a cycle, right? And so I think the great, once again, polymaths or mystics or people, all of that sort of thing, healers, they understood great cycles and and patterns, whether that's the cycle and pattern of the sun, of the moon, of Venus, of the constellations, and how those directly affect us. This in one sense would be astrological, right? But, um, and so some people will poo-poo that, but to me, it's like, well, obviously if the moon has effect on us and the sun has effect on us, then why wouldn't the constellations, why wouldn't the movements of everything else? Now we can even go further to say, well, the, the thing that we can prove, we can show to prove that we actually do resonate with the, with those, with the heavenly canopy, if you will, all the one outflowing emanations of God, if you will, you want to call it that we can prove that we resonate with them through math. We can show that we have, you know, that we can map the sun on the horizon with our hands. We can show that we have the 28 phalanges to, to represent not only the cycle of birth, 20, you know, the menstruation period of a woman, but also, hey, there's the 28 day pattern of the moon. We can pull, you know, we, we there's tons and tons of things we could mention here. But I think when you look at prophets saying, hey, there's going to be a time of chaos and a time of order, there's going to be a time where we're closer to spirit and further away is no different than being like, hey, well, September, it's going to start getting cold. December, it's probably yeah. going to put a lot of snow on the ground. So all you're doing is looking at the pattern, understanding the pattern, and then see where it's going. So I think this is, and we could get into all sorts of very specific things too. Like one thing we could talk about the Mayan calendar. We could talk about, you know, even what's happening now. I, I mean, I don't know where you want to go with that. Hopefully that makes sense. But um, I mean, we could get into some specifics. If you want. Yeah, well, let's do that. Do you have anything in mind uh, that might be more contemporaneous so we can uh, maybe the audience would see would like to see how this all has to do with right now? Let's talk about what's a good way. Well, let's talk about one that everyone, at least I'm sure everyone experienced. That's 2012. Right. Everybody remembers all the hoopla and hype around 2012. Right. And I remember as, you know, basically getting into conspiracy and truth seeking and searching for God and all that sort of stuff. 2012 was a big one because we had this huge meme that went around being like, Hey, the Mayans said there was going to be a world end. And, you know, Hey James, hi kitty. 
Um, Mayans said there was going to be a world end. And then, of course, we had, which they didn't, of course. But then you had all of the, once again, all the things that were grafted onto this, right? That it was going to be, there was going to be a pole shift and the oceans were going to wash over everything and blah, blah, blah. It was going to be rains from, I mean, everybody projected onto this thing, right? And like John Cusack was going to be there. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember the movie 2012, but all, basically it was a prophecy by the Mayans that their calendar was going to come to an end and that it would begin again. And what happened was all of these people started once again, like grafting onto this thing, what was going to happen? Well, they never said anything of the sort. And this is one of the first things that I ever, like I said, ever really got into. It actually really sparked my interest in all of these studies, whether that's mathematics, horology, archaeoastronomy, um, all the anthropology, all of them, because 2012 was one of these things that there was a, here was a culture of people that actually captured a prophecy where they're saying, look, our calendar is going to come to an end. Now, what actually happened? Well, essentially, quote unquote, nothing, because people thought something else was going to happen when the Mayans are just basically saying, hey, this is going to be a change of ages. It's where our calendar comes to an end. A new age is starting. And this is going to be a time of great change, great opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. But they never said this is what's going to happen. They just they just said, hey, guess what? It's going to get cold in December. That's all they were. That's essentially all they were saying. Now, what's interesting is that the Mayan calendar, I've studied it very much in depth. I, I, I was friends with John Major Jenkins, who was like the Mayan scholar. I almost lived with the guy. Um, I, I learned so much about syncretism and basically the holy science from his work. Huge influence on me. And he he studied the shit out of the Mayans. He went down many summers and talked to the elders. We would write about it extensively, what they actually thought. And all it was, was the same thing. Calendars coming to an end, starting again. That's it. It's a new age, you know? And so all they were doing in multiple ways was mapping and tracking multiple cycles, cycles of the sun, cycles of the moon, cycles of Saturn, cycles of Venus, all of these different things. And all of these calendars worked, you know, off one another. And then, of course, what they were doing was mapping long periods of time, 5,000-year cycles, 26,000-year cycles. So what those prophets were doing was just recognizing, once again, the patterns of God, you know, and saying, hey, when this calendar comes to an end, not only are you going to see this specific thing in in the sky, just as we prophesied, the sun is going to rise in the middle of the Milky Way galaxy on the horizon. And that's exactly what happened. Even Neil deGrasse Tyson said that happened. So these are great prophets, you know, and all they were doing is recognizing, oh, God's a cycle, you know? So that's what prophecy is all about to me. Um, And we can take that into what's happening right now because people want to say that, hey, this is the end times. Jesus is coming back, 666, Mark of the Beast. Oh yeah, sure. But does that mean it's actually the end times? No, because that's not how it works. It's not the end times. It it is interesting. Um, well, with the Abrahamic Abrahamic traditions, it seems like there's more of a sense of revelation that they actually have influence from angelic beings, right? That come down and speak with them, or God with Moses with the burning bush, etc. So there's that little bit more instance of mysticism, and and of course we are. And that's what really interests me is this idea of interacting with divine beings and bringing, whether they be ascended masters or angels or archons or the Anunnaki or whatnot, we can go down all those rabbit holes, but in the end, it all ties to numbers still. So 
Um, it's a question for me whether this is just mankind trying to make sense of like the divine holy code through embodying it into these beings like the Egyptians would have done, like the Sumerians would have done in previous civilizations, or actually are there angelic you know, hosts that are here that are telling us these things? That's the kind of fun woo-woo stuff, right? That we can go down. Um, so, you know, what well, are your thoughts on that? What I found is, I mean, and this is my take on it. So when you look at like angels, I mean, to me, we were just talking about angles that we, everything is about angles, right? Yeah. You know, and okay, I always so misspell those is, too. I always mix them yeah, up. Right? I mean, it's, it's a common thing. And, and the Bible is riddled with little uh, linguistic tricks and fanatic things like that all over. You know, I mean, this is one of the classic ways in which they used to encode things in literature. I mean, you can go everywhere, everywhere from the gold bug of, of, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. You can go from there to William Shakespeare and see that that stuff's encoded. So these are all little tricks like that. But, you know, when you see like angels, right? Well, in, in the Christian angelic hierarchy, there's nine angels or angles. Okay. Well, you could relate that directly to the nine levels in the Kabbalistic tree of life in the Norse. That's right. They had a Kabbalistic tree called the Yagrasil, and there was nine levels on that. Right. So and you can go and, hey, there's the 10 emanations of God. You hear about that. Well, that's just the numbers zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, those literally, literally are angles. They're they're verifiable, mathematically sound, universal things that every single human being who has a set of hands can 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 prove. Right. So what you have with, with so many of these ancient traditions is the anthropomorphizing or basically making characters or that sort of idea out of these really cosmic emanations, because it's not to say that angels don't exist. Does that mean angels are these like angelic beings that have wings that fly down and sit on your shoulder and be like, hey, I'm number eight or anything? No. But those angels or the angles of light are around us and happening all the time. So much so, that, you know, that Dr. Bear there is talking about, hey, these things give resonance. Well, yeah, of course. Right. Because that's what they're that's what they do right and that's why we that's why when we look at something like the gold that expresses the golden mean like the head of a flower we're like oh that's beautiful we have this connection to it because we see it as harmonious and that sort of thing so as far as like angels coming down and 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 you know whatever uh giving people information and stuff like that well this is this is the notion that you receive higher bits of wisdom directly from God, because God is the one that from, you know, literally shines the angles or the angels down into you to say, here, here's a gift of intelligence, of wisdom, or I'm going to, I'm going to pop it right into your head. And here it is. And I think all the great traditions that, you know, whatever they, that tried to connect and align with God, that's what happened to them. This is what, this is what it is to receive in Kabbalah. You receive the wisdom. You don't, you don't come up with it yourself. Like, look how genius I am. No, you receive higher levels of wisdom from the actual intelligence of the creation itself. And those are those angles and angels of light. This is, sorry, I don't mean to rant, but this is exactly what it says in John, in, in the, the, in revelation, Mm -hmm. right? It says, and God, my Bible, God sent an angel of, or an angle of light, angel of light and signified onto John. It was a sign. It was a symbol. It was a, you know, to signify the fact that, hey, John is about to have this great revelation that most people think is eschatological and like end times. And it's mm-hmm. actually something about that's happening internally with John, you know, mm-hmm. 
Um, well, there's a lot of eschatology, if I say this right, eschatological um, uh, imperatives throughout the main <clears throat> canonical gospels, right? Especially like uh, Mark and Matthew, uh, uh, it, where Jesus is supposedly saying he will come back and all that. But a lot of people say that was injected later by the church to, to give them power so that there's like this feeling of dread where... Um, I guess, is it in John or where it's uh, the, which is the, the, the different kind of aspect of the canon where he's, it's saying right now, Jesus is saying, no, the kingdom of heaven is now it's right now. It's not about the future. Right. So it is interesting. Did Jesus say that he would come back, you know, at the end times, or is it always just time is now and living and Jesus is the now part of the Trinity. Right. I think you even did a talk about that recently. So it is interesting. Yeah. This yeah, this gets into like what who Jesus is and what he actually represents. You know, to me uh, and like how I teach it, I'm like, look, he's the whole thing. Okay, like the entire body of creation itself, the corpus of this entire world is Christ, and that you can actually find parallels to that within other. Like I said, like I did a whole thing on Norse, where it was like the first being was this being. It was a hermaphroditic being called Emer. And then in, in the poetic Eddas, it talks about how Emer's body became, you know, his spine became the mountain ranges and his, his skull became the dome and his brain became the clouds and his teeth became the rocks. And it's this idea that we are, we, you know, if you were a Norse person, you'd be living in, you know, you'd be in or experiencing the living body of Emer. Well, in the Christian doctrine, Christian canon, that's no different, that we are literally in the church of Christ right now. Everything is Christ. So when Christ says, I am, you know, because it doesn't say I came, actually in the Bible, it says to come, which is a, which is a, in, in a future, in a future tense, right? Well, that he shows up. The whole point is that he shows he's ever present. But when he shows up, he finally shows up within you. And what, what you actually have is the literalization of this taken out and said, no, we're going to put it into a historical time frame and says, it's not here, not here, not here, not here, not here, not here. It's up here. And then you do that. And what do you do? You place people into this idea that there's going to be this great apocalypse and everything's going to fall and Jesus is going to come back. When really you look at it, it's like Jesus arrives always in this now, in the ever present now within you. And this actually gets to, and I, and what happens is we should actually talk about 666 here because this is an important point because so many people right now, they're like, well, revelation, revelation's happening. Jesus is coming back now, that sort of stuff. And they'll point to 666 or they'll point to the mark of the beast and that sort of thing. And it's like, well, you also forget that. Not, and I've, I've been saying this a lot lately, a chapter later, you hear about the people that defeated the beast got got command over his number his image his the mark and his name and they were the ones that were standing on top of the sea of glass singing the songs of moses and singing the songs of the lamb so here we have so many people that look to a historical sort of very very surface level view of the bible they see revelation it's the end it's apocalyptic if you will and then all of a sudden, hey, there's a beast. He's going to show up. He's got a mark. But they completely forget about a chapter later where it talks about, hey, there's some people that came along and, and totally destroyed the beast, took command of his image over his mark, over the number of his name. So here people are just like they did in 2012, projecting things onto what they think it is, as opposed to just going to the source itself and saying, well, what does it actually say? There's not, you know, the, the, there's people that defeated that stupid part of my language but that stupid fucking beast that everybody's going around being so scared of. Well, do you know why the beast doesn't win? 
because God didn't make the world so that the, he put, he put a, like a, a, a kill switch or something that he didn't make something strong enough to destroy himself. And there's nowhere in any tradition that I know of, especially in like Abrahamic faith, especially in the Bible that says anything close that the evil force could ever come close to rivaling that of the Lord God, period. It's, it's a, he's a fallen angel. And so people think that because of that or something, this, this beast, he's going to bring the world end and blah, blah, blah. I don't see it like that at all. I think yeah. they recognize that there's cycles. And so what happens? Well, the beast gets some power, doesn't he? Pretty powerful, cry, tries to offer and tempt people into shit that they don't want to do to try to ensnare their souls and things like that. But that, that happens like this in history. It's an ebb and flow. It's a cycle. You go just like you start from that. You go you know, the start, starting point and you go away from it. It's like, oh, we're so far from there only to know that it's going to come back. So we're living in that time right now where it's like things were, we're far away from source, if you will. We're in the material. We're stuck in all of that stuff. But if you think that that's just going to continue on forever, I think you're lacking faith in God. I think you're giving way, way, way too much credit to the devil. Lost. Lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, what you're describing there is, uh, is of course, a waveform. And three-dimensionally, that's a spiral. But that spiral is ever progressing up octaves. So it's not just that the cycle is going to repeat the same old crap. Because every time the cycle repeats, if we are choosing to go through those octaves, you know, things keep getting better and better. Of course, the, the, the trick of the controllers is to <clears throat> keep us into a temporal consciousness and, and you know, this whole materiality, uh, you know, the superstition that we're in now can only be possible if we, you know, believe that there is a, a literal concept or, or a literal thing such as time. So, um, you know, the, uh, we can only experience eternal life if we start recognizing both sides of that creative cycle. And of course they have us just down this one compression, compacting information cycles going in a linear direction. And, you know, things look pretty bleak as long as we stay in that kind of consciousness. Well, I think once again, when you look at sort of the, the, the idea of the Mayan calendar, that they were like, look, this is going to be a, a time of great change. We're, this is a new cycle that we're in, entering, right? This would be considered like occult knowledge uh, uh, in that sort of sense, hidden knowledge, things like that. I think the people that are the so-called elite that should not be or whatever that are running the world, they understand these cycles, you know, and they actually hijack them or try to use them, realize that this is going to be a period of great change in humanity, naturally in the consciousness, naturally in the flow of whatever, right? The, the cycles of heaven. And they're going to jump on this and try to utilize it and try to, you know, whatever. And so the fact that all of this stuff is happening in the midst of, like I said, like the idea of the Mayan calendar ending, not a hop, skip and a jump ago. And next thing you know, you have all this stuff that's going on right now. To me, I, I think it's almost silly to see that they're not related, especially since we know that these people are clear, at least I do. And the people that are on my channel, they clearly see that these people are steeped in the occult. You can clearly see that they know things like Kamatri and Kabbalah and astrology, astrotheology, they, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I think that's what they're doing. You know, they're trying to hijack this time. Yeah. 
the the uh, I, the idea of the cycles is interesting with the yugas and us being in the kali yuga which goes comes from the hindu tradition right mm -hmm. seems like those more ancient traditions really kind of got that idea that everything's cyclical i mean and that relates to the mayans and some would say the mayans were related to the hindus and it was all related to atlantis and it is all connected and that's why i do love syncretism because it, it really ties it all in back to math right so this idea of the, the cycles so maybe I, I don't know if you've done much research into the yugas, but supposedly we are in the Kali Yuga, right? Or are we leaving the Kali Yuga? And that's related also to the, the different ages, right? <clears throat> Going into the age of Aquarius. It's mm -hmm. all kind of related that way. <clears throat> so it is interesting. Um, where do you see us, Marty, on this time? I know we were saying time isn't what it says, but do you feel that we are entering a new age? I felt, I felt that way for a while. You know, just the explosion of information, the advent of the Internet, the fact that it's like for the longest time, people were very, very much asleep to the fact that there are world controllers and that there is, you know, that there are people that do work on behalf of evil, clearly, and not on behalf of the almighty. Um, you know, all of that's bubbled up in this it, literally within me growing up. You know, it, this wasn't happening in 1972. It wasn't. What's going on right now? So to me, and, and the explosion of knowledge, almost a renaissance of knowledge, everything from all the stuff that you're doing to the astrotheology, to the, all the hidden hands behind things and all the conspiracies, the, the falsification of history. It's, you just go down and keep going. All of this has been sprung up within what? The last 20 years, clearly 15, 20 years. And so to me, I think there's a, I think there's a corollary to the fact that we are going through an age. Now, do I have, as a guy that's like totally harps on math and, and having proof and stuff like that, do I have proof of that? No, I do not. I'll be the first person to tell you that because I've not, I have not mapped long cycles of time like that, but I can look at all the traditions that I've learned from that I've gotten so much wisdom from and say, well, what did they say? And they clearly repeat that, you know, they, whether that's the procession of the equinoxes or whatever. Right. So, and the fact that we're so, um, we've been so trained not to pay attention to time, even, even like, even the, the fact that you would go through all of high school and not be able to know the phases of the moon, you know what I'm saying? Like, or to, that's insane. And so there is definitely um, a movement to try to keep us off from our lack of understanding of time. Because if you understand timeless cyclical, yes, you experience in a linear fashion, but what you're experiencing is something that's just coming around again. And it's coming around again. It's like this. Then you realize that, hey, yeah, things might get bad right now, right? I mean, this is the place, earth down here is when good and evil do their do, you know, they, they, duke it out you know there's always this sort of ebb and flow high tide low tide of this sort of thing okay well we're in a high tide of evil right now sure absolutely does that mean the tide is going to keep coming in keep coming in no eventually it's going to go out and then guess what well people were going to get complacent and comfy again and you know things are going to you know and then what then the evil is going to slowly creep back in that that idea follows everything like the cycle of the moon, the cycle of the sun, the cycle of the seasons, the cycle of the literally the sky, you know, everything that goes around us. So it, I think I, that's I don't it. even 
I don't even think of it as a cycle of evil. I just think it's a cycle of exposure. And, you know, you're talking about a renaissance of, uh, of types, you know, with all the information channels uh, that are available now that weren't available in earlier parts of my life. I absolutely agree. But, you know, rather than just looking at what's available on the Internet, um, I would really tell people to start looking up in the sky because there are things appearing in the sky right now that have not appeared in the sky before. And I also believe a lot of these things are revelations. Uh, you know, if you want to go back to the Bible and revelation, I believe they. I'm not a biblical scholar, but I think they were telling us about, you know, these times that were coming where things would be exposing themselves, not just the evil so that we can start seeing through it and not be ensnared by it anymore. But also, you know, for instance, these uh, circles of light that I've seen with my own eyes that are appearing in the atmosphere at different times. And, and also, uh, you know, just, it seems like the facade, so to speak, is really becoming more apparent. You know, when I can, uh, look and see at different moon phases where things uh, that are supposed to be solid bodies are actually transparent, you know, that you can look through and see things behind it. So, uh, I mean, that gets into another whole can of worms, but I really believe for people that are ready to go there, um, you know, it, it's all just being made available, but most of us are walking around looking at our devices rather than looking up where all the good stuff is happening. When we were in Hawaii, my wife and I, you know, we saw the stars quite a bit and there was definitely a period there where the, the lights in the stars, in the sky were going off like disco balls going off like, tick, 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 and I, and we, and we noticed that Jennifer's like, I've never seen the stars like that. And it's like, no. And maybe it's just because I don't watch the stars enough. You know, I was not, I didn't spend too many, but I've seen stars a lot. I'll say that. And it's like, what in the heck is going on? Definitely something I don't see every single day. So, you, you know, I can only imagine that people that spend so much time actually mapping and tracking and watching the stars, as opposed to just on their phone thing, they, they once again would intuit that in, in many ways. It was like they received the wisdom of what those cycles were directly from the source. No different than me looking at the number seven and being like, oh, the, the, that triangulation is 28 and one through seven, if you multiply it is 5,040, blah, 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 blah. No different in that sort of sense. So, um, I think getting back to what you're saying, I think is super important, getting back to the practical application of actually engaging in the whatever the subject or study is, is so important. It's the reason that I've made any sort of advances in math at all is because I just went in and actually wanted to learn it myself, as opposed to learning it from somebody else telling me what it is. This is how to do this. This is what, you know, I think we need to take that in all in health, the, the star study, math, our language, everything, you know. This is, once again, you look at cycles of changing, this is the opportunity, we have that opportunity right now to actually do that. That hasn't had, we haven't had that opportunity before. So to me, that's a marker, once again, of, of changes happening. So. Yeah, no Absolutely. doubt. No doubt. I mean, we have, we're at an interesting time, thanks to the internet, that we all can work together like this on this chat. 
and problem solve. And it, it is interesting. People are really coming to the understanding that we don't really know much of anything. Like you were saying from real history to real science, to what stars are like, I've seen fascinating uh, videos of really high end telescopes on stars. And you see them, they're almost like little angelic beings are different. Each star is different and they have different kind of crystalline structures to them. And, and people have done meditation where they can affect them while looking through the telescope and like make them move and stuff. I mean, like trippy stuff. Right. And of course, we're told they're just they're all like uh, suns right they're all just nuclear fission or fusion you know uh, thing mm -hmm. so it's interesting like we're at this time where people are really questioning questioning everything we've been told uh from understanding like everything we learned in school <laughs> is pretty much wrong um so i do agree i i think this is an, a really exciting time i do have a question for you marty in terms of nostradamus talking about prophecy one of my favorite characters i remember as a kid when i would go into the vhs stores to rent for the night you know for like friday night movie i'd always be like drawn to the nostradamus tapes you know they'd have like the stuff and so as a kid i've always been in, and we i'd make my mom rent him. So I've watched a lot of them. I, I haven't really checked in on Nostradamus lately, but I mean, he did seem like a very prophetic figure. Have you done much research into Nostradamus and what he was doing alchemically or with math and how that worked? And, 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 and I'm just curious to know your kind of ideas about that figure in history and what he's done. The, the biggest issue I, I've always had with that, with doing anything like that, and why I tried to stay away from it is because it's, like I said, the same sort of problem I found that I saw with so many people is projecting the ideas that they think or extrapolating what they want to see or hear, as opposed to what's actually being written. Or, you know what I mean? And that, like I said, the same thing happened with 2012. Instead of actually just going in and seeing what the Mayans were actually saying, people were like, no, there's a pole shift and, you know, there's going to be cosmic aliens coming or whatever. You, you do the same thing with the Bible all the, all the time. You know, people's like, when 2012 happened, people were pointing to Revelation and being like, look, this is, there's the woman and she's got the moon at her feet and seven stars, you know, all that sort of stuff. And this proves that we're, you know, and people literally waited that night to see if the world was going to end. I think it I, more more often than not, and this is why I don't do that with Nostradamus, because you can go in and take anything he's saying and extrapolate it out into whatever, right? And so I don't I don't like to I don't like to do that because I don't really think it gets us anywhere, and I think it allows people to just have their way with whatever people are saying, you know, and then come up with all sorts of kooky, crazy things, you know, all sort of squirrely revelations and that sort of stuff. So, and I think there's this tendency that people have that they want to know what's going to happen in the future because it gives them some sort of solace. And that that's, goes with everything. Like, I'm going to buy a house. Well, should I do this? Should I not do this? Is this the right decision? Am I going to be able to afford it? Do I need to get this? Blah, 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 blah. And so if somebody comes along and, and gives you this, like, oh, this is, everything's going to be okay. That's what a lot of people want to hear. Well, that's not necessarily the truth. You know, a lot of people want to see, want, a lot of people want to hear, Jesus is coming back on the white horse and it's going to happen pretty soon because COVID's here. Well, you know, so I try to stay away from all of that because I'm like, you know, the idea, even if there was some sort of end times, the idea that it would happen just in your life, I think is pretty ridiculous. You know what I mean? And so, and if it does happen, well, then what are you going to do about it? Nothing. It's the end times. You know what I mean? So then what you did, you get is people locked up in the cycle of constantly worrying about in the future or, or, you know, that sort of thing. And I don't, I just don't like to do that because I don't think it, I don't think it bears any fruit, you know? 
So. Yeah. And maybe there's a reason why a lot of indigenous peoples did not have uh, past and future tense in their language. And we're in, in this temporal, you know, timeline all the time. So it makes it completely impossible to be in the moment. I get questions all the time. You know, people know I live a certain way and, and they're saying, well, where do you think I should move? You know, where's a safe place? And I just say, well, the place you need to be is where you're supposed to be. There's no such thing as a safe place. You know, I'm here not because I, you know, I'm trying to escape the world and, and, you know, survive some kind of apocalyptic event. I'm here because the land told me I'm supposed to be here. So when you're, you know, taken into that timeline and out of, you know, your center, you'll never be able to just get that you know, that little voice is going to tell you exactly what to do, where you're supposed to be, and nothing else really matters. It's our experience, and it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing or what somebody else is foretold or, or what the newspaper is saying. So, you know, it all boils down to the controllers, uh, you know, being pretty shrewd, you know, this we have been manipulated into this state of mind because we're very easy to control as long as we're, you know, existing on that pure mental plane, divorced from, you know, that part of ourselves that knows the truth all the time. It, it's such a solid point because it's all, it's really about that internal realization and following that, that spark when then that voice within you. And there's so many externalities that exist all the time that say, do this. You got to go to college. Oh, the Jesus is coming. Oh, the COVID <laughs> here. Go, you got to get, you know, get, get a mortgage. You know, what are you going to blah, 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 blah. You know, constantly, constantly, constantly giving, you know, you know, almost like uh, inundating you or whatever. Right. And instead of you're supposed to be listening to what's internal. And when, if you listen to what's internal, as I've found, that is going to lead you in the right place. You know what I mean? If you're, once again, if you're honest and genuine with yourself as well, because there's a certain, certain intellectual and emotional spiritual responsibility you have to have with yourself as well, because you can lie to yourself all day long, but there is the inner still voice that will tell you, you know, like you're lying to yourself kind of thing. You have to listen to that. And that is that that voice that you're talking about that's in the ever presence of the now is, is literally beyond time. And that's why you see so many of these cultures that don't even talk about a past and a future. Christ is the eternal, you know, in, in the, in the Christian doctrine, the Holy Trinity, he is that, he is that eternal. Now he is that light and that voice that speaks within us. And he's, he's the center and he's got the, the father and the, the Holy ghost there. You know, that to me is, is, is what it's all about. There's so many things fear is the big one that keeps you away from that. It keeps you out of that. And of course, that's what's happening right now. Total fear. What what you're talking about is like the Christ consciousness, right? That is the ever present now that we tend to forget, like Bear said, by going to the mental plane and it's all right there for us. We can have it whenever we want. The kingdom of heaven is now, right? You can have it. That's the, that's the best message about all of this and about what Jesus was all about and what these other archetypes like Buddha and, and such, right? They're all very similar. It goes back to Mithraism and Zoroastrianism and all these that predated Christianity. It's the same message, which is now like it, the powers within us right now to have what we need and what we want. And the thing with prophecy that I find interesting, Marty, is like you were saying is that like we can literally create that. If, if we believe it enough, like the way reality works and how we are the divine creators, we can create that like crazy darkness, right? I mean, if we really 
if we really want to just focus on it, and I'm talking in our own lives, you know, like if we want to just focus on, oh, the dark times are here, here comes the antichrist and it's all around me and, oh, I'm a victim, then you literally will experience that. Um, that being said, I bring up the antichrist for a reason, um, you know, and, and relating this to someone like Rudolf Steiner, and we have a lot of fans of Rudolf Steiner in our community. He talks about um, you know, Aramon, these Aramonic forces and versus, and then there's the Luciferian forces and that we are now in the times of coming where Aramon will be basically coming in the 3D on this plane. Have you done any research into the Steiner kind of stuff? And this will also relate now into the new age stuff that I'd love to talk about a little bit because a lot of people are really into this, like we're going into the 4D, the fifth dimension, ascension, all of these things, which seem to be just like a newer version of prophecy right yeah like once again a lot of that stuff becomes projection like oh this is what we're gonna this is what's gonna happen you know that sort of stuff which i always try to stay away from because once again i'm like no to me there's i learned before i even got into like re deeply religious stuff it's like there is an eternal balance so yes right now I, and i don't know particularly i mean i know rudolf steiner i've read rudolf steiner i don't know particularly that aspect of steiner's thoughts but if he is saying in some sort of metaphysical sense that there is darker forces that are going to be arising from now, I've got, you know, to me, that's like, oh, that's no problem. That's no different than once again saying, hey, we're going to go sail the Pacific and it's June. Ooh, we know there's some storms out there. We know it because it's the time of year. And if we were going to go sailing, we know that we're going to have to freaking get our mask, you know, all that sort of thing. So I think Steiner was really well connected in that sort of sense and recognized that there was these cycles that were happening and that they were going to get ever more intense. Um, and that ever fixated on materiality. I mean, he's he's one of the guys that came out strong against the VA double X, VA double X, I should say. I don't want to get us canceled on YouTube here, but you know, <laughs> um, he came out strong and he was basically saying this is the crime of the century because he foresaw what the, the intensification of the pseudoscience and you know, uh germ theory and all that sort of stuff pushed upon mankind, you know. Once again, I, I, it's like, yeah, that's, uh, it's definitely something we have to take very, very serious and all this sort of stuff. And yes, there is dark forces around us right now. We can see it, but we cannot forget that every time that there is a dark, there's, you know, dark coming down upon us, that logos is going to rise because it has to, it has to always balance itself. The, the thing I will say though, is that in, in all of that happening in the ebb and flow and the high tide and low tide, you can get caught up in that and it can be a shitstorm for you. Absolutely. And it will be for us. There's going to, like I, I say this, and I don't say this as to project bad or awful things, but there's going to be pain and suffering. And the pain, the torment, the torture, profanity, nausea, suffering, aversion, calamity, as Mike Patton from Faith and More says, there's going to be a lot of that. Clearly, well, look at through history. I mean, we all have to be grown up and be like, well, is not history the, at least what we know of history, the continued cycles of, of things going up and down and up and down. And it really, it comes down to, how well do you find your center, right? Because past is going to pull on you and future is going to come this, you know, that sort of thing. These two opposing forces constantly on you. And somehow you have to find that center. You have to find that balance. You know, they'd be like, yeah, I see that there's a big ass storm coming, but I'm going to hold my own. I'm going to ride it out. And if I die in the middle of it, well, guess what? Everybody's going to have their eschatology. Everybody's going to have their revelation. Everybody's going to have their end day. Everyone's going to have an apocalypse and that's your death. So prepare for that no matter what, but also prepare to kick that storm's ass and be like, no, I've got the vessel. I'm going to, I'm going to ride through this. You know, I'm strong enough to do it. 
So, I mean, isn't the literal translation of apocalypse new beginnings? Yeah, well, unveiling, which, which that, right? I mean, that's generally how it's understood. And that basically means that things have been veiled. So there was a process of veiling, of covering up all that light, covering up all that truth, covering up all that. And then the apocalypse comes, which seems so dark, but really what happens? Well, it's an unveiling. Isn't it wonderful that we get to now, as a collective community, with our own, you know, reasoning skills and rational and common sense and, you know, discernment and things like that. Now we can look at all these VA double X's and all the virology and be like, oh, wow, that's all nonsense. Isn't that kind of a relief? Yeah, it's awful because people, tons of people believe in it. But it, to me, it's a relief because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not worried about any virus because I can't prove any of that shit exists. That's to me, that's an yeah. it's a relief. That's, that's light showing, you know? So. What I remember from my early Catholicism is they're saying the end times uh, would be uh, a battle on the mental plane. And what I see is everybody's been brought into this purely mental state, uh, you know, to repeat that. And I think the real problem we have is uh, people are really not engaged in doing things, working with their hands, uh, engaged in the trades. You know, we're all academic. I was recently, you know, this last year, especially brought into a lot of discussions online about germ theory and everything. And, you know, I was on with a lot of great people, doctors, very knowledgeable, but the discussion invariably got into, you know, research topics and deciphering data and all and all that. And I'd be sitting there listening to that. And yeah, I can understand all that. But my experience is why I'm looking at shit under the microscope, you know, and, um, you know, seeing things with my own eyes. So to me, you know, I always consider myself as a doctor, more as a tradesman, you know, not as an academic that's out here conjecturing. And, uh, you know, I think people really need to get grounded. And also, if you go into uh, the Bible, you know, you see there's many levels of codes and it goes, uh, I think it really goes down, you know, into basic chemistry, you know, at one level, uh, for instance, you know, go back to the Zodiac and, uh, oh shoot, it would be an example. Um, you know, like you take, uh, the angles, you know, that we, you know, consider Aries. Well, we understand that that holographically plays out in our anatomy as the head area. And then if you really go further into deciphering, you know, all those, those areas that are talking about that, you find that they're talking about certain kinds of chemistry, you know, which gets into the whole science of, you know, something I've been involved with for a long time is cell salts. And then, you know, in, in these, uh, uh, you know, biblical quotes, you have, if thine eye be single, and then you find out that certain things like say Cali Foss, you know, actually, you know, in my experience actually creates a bridge in the thalamus to unite the pineal and the pituitary, you know, the two eyes and they become one, you know, if you have that particular chemical element in your body, and then all of a sudden your sight, your bandwidth of perception opens up. So I think, um, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I believe that we've really gotten not just mental, but overly mystical about things. And if we start seeing things that are, you know, right in front of our eyes, it's giving us, uh, you know, manuals on physics, on chemistry, on, on everything that we need here and now. And 
And, and if you understand those things and apply those principles, no matter what you're doing, then you're going to start just perceiving things in a whole different way. And of course, what we're losing now is the perception war. God, there's so there's so many things to say there, man, because it's like <laughs> the, 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 the so to me, this is what one of the things that was like so profound about the Bible is that what you're saying, I think, is spot on the Bible. Like I explain it like this, like the Bible, you're given a story. Right. And the story is like the center of the, the wheel in that sort of sense. Right. It's the hub of the wheel. And then every single spoke is like, here's biology and here's the star study. And here's the numerology aspect. And here's the, you know, here's the geometric aspect of it. And here's the, oh, here's how we can actually take this into technology and how to build a battery. Here's how to, you know what I mean? And when you look at it holistically, you can take the, in, in a sense, you can take the, the symbol or the archetype of the wheel, which is basically a, in this metaphor, holistic wisdom that's captured in the Bible. And you can take and go, whoop, place it on this. And you can take that same thing and place it on this and take it on because there it's all one and that it's a holy science just as it's purported to be and so it's like you take that knowledge and you can take it everywhere and you don't once again there's a practicality to it you know um it's like when i when i say it's like okay well there's a multiplication table on your hands okay you know it's like 18 27 36 you know that sort of stuff right it's like that's that's things you could teach child that's not woo woo mystical. I'm off in la la land, whatever. It's like, no, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, little Bobby. And let me show you, you know, it's that kind of thing. And so I think if we, the more that we learn from that stuff, I think the more revelations there's going to be, the more wisdom that we'll gain from it. Because once again, you're realizing that the, this thing called our experience is intelligent in and of itself. It's intelligence. It's intelligence abound everywhere. So you learn from it and you take what you can from it. You know, and once again, when you're saying people are stuck in books and stuff like this, you know, it's like, I, I mean, the Bible says it itself, you know, we're ministers of the Bible, but we're ministers of the spirit, not of the letter. We're ministers of the spirit, not of the letter, which means I'm not stuck in a book being like, oh, this is where it is right here. No, you go out into the world and you see, oh, there's the, there's the expression of God right there. And that flower, that's, you know, real world mysticism. That's not woo woo at all. You know, it's literally how the plant grows kind of thing, you know, so. Yeah. How else can we assume our rightful role as co-creators in the first place? I mean, why are we individualized in the first place? It's to expand the overall consciousness that we call God or, or whatever term you like to use. Uh, and I don't see any other reason for us individualizing in the first place unless we're out there actually creating things and we've been brought into this place of course where you know we don't believe we have the power we have to have other people tell us what to do uh you know do things for us fix things for us and uh all the answers are right there they've been there the whole time mm -hmm. so uh you know maybe relating back to our you know original topic here of uh prophecy and going into resonance and, and making it practical. What's the point of prophecy in the first place? Once again, I, I think prophecy is based. I mean, when you look at the word, even like the etymology of prophet, I think it basically tells you, it's just basically says receive like receiver of wisdom. Maybe you can look this up, Mike, it's like at ed, a online or whatever. I think it says like receiver of wisdom or teacher preacher. Right. And so to me, 
a prophet, once again, if you're prophesizing the future, it's not like you're, it's not like you're doing divination and telling people, well, you're going to get married. And, you know, it's like basically once understanding these cycles of God, these patterns of God and recognizing that, that, you know, once again, as human beings, we, we go out from a, a, a point and we're farther away from that point, which is our center. And we come back, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. Even the word father, as in the Christian doctrine, the father, the son, the Holy Ghost, right? The father is the creator. Father comes from the, the word pater, which means pattern. So it's like our father who art in heaven. You're basically saying our patterns who artistically created in the firmament above, if you will. You know what I mean? Recognizing those patterns, seeing those patterns above and below. And once again, resonating with them, getting in alignment with them. This is the Tao. This is the way, right? That we you hear about from mysticism all over. And when you get in that way, you realize that once again, the creativity flows, things just happen. You know, you're just in line with things. And that's, to me, that's what it's all about. So if prophet, when getting into prophecy, I think prophets are basically trying to tell you how to do that in that sort of sense, you know, um, mm -hmm. that's what I see. So, and I never like to project onto people. It's why I never, it's why I, I run from and always have, because I always, I always thought it was bullshit. And now I see it totally as bullshit. When somebody's like, you know, your crystal ball or your, you know, whatever, and this is what's going to happen, or I'm going to read your lines on your hand and say, oh, this is your love line. That means you're going to get divorced in two years, or I'm going to read some tarot deck and say, this is going to happen to you. That's projecting onto somebody. And that's already distorting their consciousness. A true prophet's being like, the true prophet will say, don't listen to Marty Leeds. Don't listen to Dr. Paul. Don't listen to Mike here. Mike's got those glasses that Jimmy Savile has and Bono. So he's immediately suspect. Uh. Listen, <laughs> I'm kidding. Listen to what's inside. Listen to that still, you know, that whatever, that voice. That's what it's all about. So that's what a true prophet should be doing. You know, that's where you profit, if you will, yeah. to make little, you know. That's great. Yeah. Instead of listening to the wizards, like the, you know, in the wizard of Oz, that guy was tapped in, right. Uh, uh, Frank L, L Frank bomb or whatever. Mm -hmm. Cause he literally Dorothy goes to, he tells him her, you know, what's going to happen. Right. And he's obviously a con man out of a, you know, a circus guy. And then of course she goes into Oz and then what do we find out? He's the guy behind the curtain. He's kind of an a-hole too. He like makes him go on this journey and it just gives him like a certificate at the end. And he's just, but he's a con man. He's, he's not really logos, right? He's, and that's right. We don't want to fall into that trap of, of giving our power away to people who are going to tell us what the future is because we create our own future. And this ties into my question to you, Marty, about manifestation, something we talk a lot about uh, with our Alphavedic community, because it's, you know, manifesting our health, manifesting wealth and abundance. Um, and really that is, I guess, in, our, in a way, our own prophetic powers of divine knowledge, knowing this divine wisdom that we are basically God experiencing itself, right? So um, in a way we can be our own prophets, if that makes sense. Like, do you practice manifestation and, and, and go into that with the, how the numbers work and how we can manifest, you know, we see it, I see it in, uh, for instance, um, just in business how um, I used to really struggle a lot. And now um, I'm kind of more in the flow and more giving and more just kind of giving and, and getting more back, living in abundance. And I'm seeing it working. Um, and this, the science of manifestation, if you will, um, how, you know, isn't that a way in a way we're prophetic in our own lives in that way. 
that makes sense. Yeah. Wishing goodwill. I mean, I guess wishing good or evil on people. I mean, if that's, how do I say this? Like, there's nothing wrong with wishing goodwill upon you or other people. In that sort of sense, you're like prophesizing, like, I hope you live a long and healthy life, Bear. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, I'm prophesying, you know, that sort of thing. I don't think there's, in, in that sort of sense, like a law of attraction kind of thing. There's, yeah, I know the law of attraction with the secret and the way that they presented that was nonsense and blah, blah, blah. They went overboard. But there is a certain amount of that that I've even experienced in my life where I've thought about something or I wish something many, many years ago. And then it sort of, it not even sort of came true, totally came true. You know, like one of the things I talked about, just an example, many, many years ago, I fell in love with orchids. And I was always like, God, I would always love to have a place that, you know, I was surrounded by orchids. And next thing you know, I'm married, I'm living in Hawaii. My wife had planted a bunch of orchids. I never even thought about it until one day I was walking around my property and like, holy shit, my dreams came true. Something I dreamed, I actually asked about and, you know, and it wasn't anything monetary or like me, 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 or I want to be king of England or anything like that. It was something simple and humble and, you know, humbling or whatever is that. And so I think there's loads of things like that, that if you project into reality, that those things will come true, you know, um, I mean, in some way or some form, you know, so whether they all come true or not, that's, that's remains to be seen. But so I don't really think there's anything wrong with that. That's not really divination. That's not projecting something else into somebody else. It's basically like, hey, I want good things to happen to me and my family and my friends and that sort of thing. Um, I will say, like, when I pray, I never, I always just give thanks. I never pray like, oh, please, God, help me pay off my house. Or please, God, I want to get the, you know, that 2014 Chevy. You know, I don't think that's how, I don't think God cares. I don't think it's like, no, I'm gonna give you what you need. You know, that sort of thing. So that's all, I guess that's all I can say about that. Um, we, you know, it, we are, because we're co-creators, as you were saying, it's absolutely important that we take that seriously and try to produce as much good as we can in this world for us and everyone around. So I think we have to take that responsibility very seriously. So. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to take the responsibility knowing that our thoughts are powerful, Right. Like yeah, every single yeah. moment of every single second of our life, we are, are basically creating the reality that we're around. So let's, you know, be, be, be in the now and understand that power. And of course that has been taken away. That's been stripped from, a, you know, from the knowledge base of modernity, right? We, we don't through materialism and reductionism there, there's a lot of that divine kind of spark and stuff has been extracted from us uh, and used by the black magicians for their own ability. And so I, part of this great awakening of people calling it is people realizing, Oh, wow. Like I can actually totally tap into this every day and, and have whatever I need in my life. As long as I emotionally tie it in the right place and do it from a place of, of giving and all that. So I love that. And I, I love it. I love playing around with that. I think we can actually, experiment with that and see it kind of I, and I think it's actually happening faster personally where you can get the fruits of that <clears throat> quicker and and as you say it is about giving thanks and about being having gratitude right and thank you thanking God for everything he's given us and and then like giving and then all of a sudden boom the, the universe gives back in spades as bear is is says a lot the universe does two things according to Walter Russell right bear it gives and then gives more I'm not sure if I said that correctly but 
That's a two-way giving system. And what you're saying, Marty, you know, as far as maybe just wishing somebody well, you know, we can decipher that simply as saying, God bless you. That's, yeah. that's, that's all it is. Yeah. Can I tell you a story? Like, um, so this, this morning, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if this is apropos of what we're talking about, but I thought it was pertinent regardless. So this idea of like, um, getting in that flow and then recognizing it and actually opening up your consciousness or whatever to see it more and sort of live in it. I was like this morning. So we, we, we found out that our place, uh, you know, sold, but the closing date isn't going to be for like another month or whatever. And so I was kind of like bummed out. I'm like, yeah, oh God, I mean, another month before we can actually make a move and blah, 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 blah. And I was sitting there just like, kind of had this moment of little depression. Right. And I was just like, oh, fuck, yeah, whatever. And so then I, and I was kind of pacing back and forth. I was just going over some things. I got a debate later and I was trying to think about all that sort of, so all this stuff is in my mind and I, and I'm already in this sort of place. I'm like, oh, God dang it. Then I walk over and I see my dog shits on the floor. And I was like, yeah, and it, was, it, it wasn't just like three day old poop. Or let's just say that, you know, anyway. So I'm like, God dang it. So then I go over and then I'm scraping this poop off the freaking floor. And as I'm doing this, I'm like, I already think about our oh, place. It's not going to sell for another month. I'm cleaning up poop. And I look right to right to right where the poop was. I, I can't believe I'm telling the story, whatever. And I noticed three, I noticed a crack in the concrete. And it was, it branched off into three and most, a lot of cracks will actually do this is like one, two, three. And as soon as that happened, I, I was like shot back to something I was just reading a day before. And I was going over this book called Michael S. Schneider's a beginner's guide to constructing the universe and where he goes. And he, he talks about every single number, one, two, three. And one of the things he was talking about with three is that cracks and sidewalks will happen to form in, in threes, right? And so I'm enamored with the number three, Holy Trinity, loved it before I'd ever became a Christian, talked about it, wrote about it, that sort of stuff. So here I am in the middle of being kind of like depressed because things didn't go the way I wanted it to or how I projected it. And here I am cleaning up my dog's shit on the ground. And all I had to do is look over and I'm like, oh, that intelligence that is literally just captured in a number three is right there with me while I'm cleaning up shit. And it's like those things, like if you would have told me that, and then maybe that sounds crazy to people that are listening, I don't, whatever, it doesn't matter. But it was this literally like powerful moment with me in the middle of talk, picking up dog crap where I'm like, oh no, God is here. The, 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 the intelligence and what, the reason that this thing is cracking in three is because there's an intelligence behind creation. That's like, hey, the number three, the number seven, the number 10, that sort of thing. These are cosmic emanations. Sounds crazy, but not to me at all you know, and it's trying to get more into that state. I think if you're yeah. in that and, state, uh, then if you're in that state, let me say this, if you're in that state, then somebody coming along and be like, Oh, the devil's going to come and things like that. It's just doesn't get you as much. I'm not saying it still won't bother you because it does, but there's still, there's sort of a six pieces of the armor of God you put on, if you will, you know, the other so, thing too, I was just going to say real quick, we're in a, we're in a time of new beginnings, you know, it's spring and you know, the three times three is that, that cosmic sequencing, you know, that is the origin of all creation. And, and here it is springtime and my front yard is full, you know, under the forested area in our front yard, we just were blanketed with trillium. And I, I don't think it's any mistake that, you know, all these trillium, you know, we've got white ones, we've got purple ones. We, uh, you know, they're, they're just brilliant right now. You go there and it's like, isn't this perfect that those are the first things that appear in our yard before all the other flowers you know, they're going to come in uh, later spring, summer, the trillium are there first. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's staring you at the face all the time. 
it's it once again the same sort of thing that's working in that crack on the ground next to the dog poop mm-hmm. is the same force that's in that flower one's inanimate and the other's animate you know it's so funny to bring up trilliums because i'm writing a book and it's called lord jesus christ and the first chapter is the first time i met lord jesus christ was on a trillium flower and that's true <laughs> So, and I actually go and explain what that means and things like that. But what you said, as soon as you said three by three, I was like, I know what he's talking about, you know, and I'm actually just writing about that in the book as well. Cause it's like, look, the first time I, not the first time, but I mean, I guess the first time that I started really like getting like, Oh Christ, this is representative of all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Get going down that path. I was walking in Oregon, looked down, saw the trillium. I was like, Oh, three, three and three. And it's just this beautiful expression of once again, fundamental geometry, you know, the design of number, the whole thing is there. And so if you can see that with the right eyes, you're like, oh, wait a second. So to get back to prophecy, the force that's within every single one of those trillion flowers and the force that's on the ground here and the force that's above here and has created everything, that's what runs everything. Not the people that are prophesizing darkness upon humanity. They can, they're trying to force fit a false reality and graft it over something that makes all of those trillion flowers grow. As somebody who knows God, knows like, well, good luck with that one. You will always, always, always lose. Because that force is within everything. You're not going to stop that. So, anyway. Yep. Yeah. And like Mike said, thoughts are things. And, um, you know, when I work with my clients and they're going through some pretty tough situations, you know, we'd, as we're doing our, you know, our more grounded type of medicine, we're always talking about, well, you know, we have to change our, our thought patterns. And if you, I'd like to go to bed every night and look at it like an accounting ledger and how many uh, thoughts of uh, double plus thoughts, uh, you know, are over on this side and how many thoughts are entertaining. Oh, I still have that lump in my body or, you know, whatever people were worried about. And people always made that turnaround when, uh, you know, they start making those internal changes, which, uh, you know, through the process, they found what they were doing is working into the center of their worst fears and in the process losing those fears. So those habitual thoughts that were actually creating what they were afraid of in the first place, you know, then that's where we saw things just, just turn around. So, um, you know, and I think the great revelation at this time, because we have real science coming together, we have, uh, you know, new eyes where we're looking at scriptures differently, and we're also just getting evidence all around us that, wow, we have a lot more to say about this uh, than we realize. So, Mike, is anybody uh, asking questions out there? Oh, yeah. We've had a very lively chat and mostly just really fun stuff. Um, <laughs> people are having a good time with this. You know, our community is special, Marty. Our community is very much it, it tied in with yours. We have a lot of crossover. So people are really enjoying this um, talk. But I think you know, the empowering, um, thing out of this, especially with the idea of the Trinity. And I always go to, we're big fans of Walter Russell. And he talks about having that stillness, the fulcrum. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. that fulcrum, he's like the white light, the stillness, the, the source God. And then on the side, you it's like a balancing act. And there you could say it's Jesus and the Holy spirit. There's the Trinity again. And just knowing that we, like you said, going when you when you saw those three cracks, right, you went right back to that fulcrum, the stillness, understanding the awareness that there is divine code in everything. God is in all aspects of everything, whether you're shoveling shit or um, just won the lottery. 
and um and having that awareness i god it's so good i mean all the great mystic from the buddhists to the hindus they all talk about this right uh getting back centered and focused and in the now uh and it is so empowering and i do that with breath you know that's one thing we recommend i don't know if you do much breath work if you're coming to music and sky we will be because we we integrate breath work a lot into what we do in our workshops and stuff and even a lot of our speakers we start with some breath work and so that's something just letting people know in the crowd, we talk about all the time, like when I'm in the store yesterday and I don't wear a mask and, you know, I started to get into some person kind of came up to me asking why I don't wear one. And I just went to my breath and I said, well, I like to breathe because God is in breath. And they were like, Oh, well, that's an interesting, didn't expect that answer. Um, so my point of bringing this up is that in the end prophecy, whatnot, like living in the now understanding that this divine codes everywhere. And whenever we start to spin out thinking about the future, go to your breath, go to the now. It is the most, probably one of the most empowering things you can do in your, in your daily life practice. Do you do Marty, do you do any kind of breath work or yoga or any of that kind of stuff uh, in your own personal life? My, Wife is getting into Wim Hof mm -hmm. quite a bit. And so I've done a little bit of that um, as far as like breath work is concerned, uh, which is pretty interesting. Like I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I actually, I don't do his, like, I usually breathe through my nose yeah, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, that's, that seems natural to me, mm -hmm. you know, breathe, you know, in through your nose, out through you. So, um, but I know I've done it a couple of times and I like it for sure. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, well, now that you're in Wisconsin too, it's good to do that. It's going to be cold. We got like <laughs> seven months where I can go and do him off at any time. <laughs> so, um, people forget, you know, when you look at, okay. Uh, where do you want to start here? When you look at the word spirit, right? Like, and, and is in spiritual, right? Well, that's your, once again, you talk about that still moment of light, that's your spire, that's that spire of light, that spiral that, you know, of, of light that's within you. That word is directly related to breath. Spirit literally means breath of life. It means breath of God. You know, um, you know Genesis 2, 7 said, God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living soul. You know, in the beginning, um, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was formless without form and void and darkness found the face deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That literally means the breath of God in, in the, it's literally, that's how it's defined religiously and medically your spirit, your breath is your vital essence. So the vital essence of everything was hovering above. Then it spoke light and everything came out from that. When we breathe the air, we're literally breathing that first spirit. That's, and, people, and most, and that seems very Zen or mystical, but it's like, no, we're just looking at the definitions of the words, how it actually is understood medically, how it's understood mystically, how it's understood religiously. You are, we, when we breathe oxygen, we're breathing in the breath of God. That's, that's how we, you know, so inhalation, exhalation, that's literally like inhale, exhale, God. And, and that's your vital essence. That's your spirit. So the fact that they're putting masks on kids as a religious person, it's sacrilegious. It's literally sacred. It's, it's against the fundamentals of the first three lines of my book. So, you know, once again, talking about what, not wanting you to get into that space where you understand these things, that's a perfect symbol, not even a symbol. It's, it's a symbol, but it's an actual physical thing to stop you from breathing in the essence of God. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just moved from Hawaii and, uh, the term for outsiders, howlies, you know, the, 
that came yeah. from the original Hawaiians, uh, you know, when the, the missionaries came with their kind of sterile religion, uh, they called them haoles because it literally means without breath. Wow. Mm-hmm. Aloha oh, literally means a breath. Yeah, the aloha literally means breath of life. And so, and spirit means breath of life. And so the aloha spirit literally means breath of life, breath of life. And, and the, the, I forget what it's called. Hanu, I think is what it's called, but it was a, a traditional Hawaiian greeting where you'd put, you essentially place your third eye against somebody else's third eye and then you share a breath because you were sharing the breath of God, you know? Wow. And, and though, these are people that allegedly had some virus that went over all the island, blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> Yet their the ritual go. is what? Literally just sharing that? Hmm. Yeah. I wonder which one's more true. I wonder which one's true. <laughs> anyway. Well, so. and we have an affinity for the Hawaiians because we had, and we had a wonderful guest on um, where we talked about from Hawaii who, whose bloodlines go all the way back to the, the lost civilization of Mu. And so there seems to be a lot of wisdom in that, in their traditions there that go pre diluvian, you know, times and are, are maintaining that uh, amazing uh, oral tradition of knowledge and wisdom um, and that even relates to uh, Hebrewic language, too, we were talking about and how there's similarities there. So it's just, yeah, it's syncretism again, right? And, and the fact that they are talking about breath and third eye stuff, I mean, they're tapped in. There is only one source that this stuff comes from. A lot of people want to believe that there was like a, what do you call it, a diaspora? Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. A branching out like it was like, you know, like, oh, the Hindus had it. And then because Brahma is Brahman and that's where we get Abraham and Abraham, it's, and I'm like, I say, no, I'm saying that all of these different cultures, they came to the same source. They, they expressed it differently through their different language, their different culture, their different race, their different when they were born, blah, blah, blah. But they were all seeking the exact same thing. Everybody has that still light within them, that spire within them. Every single person, doesn't matter whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, it's there. You know? And so I think, the, I think all of these cultures ultimately came to that perennial wisdom tradition that's literally just embedded in, in creation. It's no different when you know, you're saying, doctor here is going down, look at a plant. The, you're seeing the same p- plant growth that everybody else has seen that's ever been here, you know? So what is that universal thing? So I think all of these traditions are ultimately, if, if they got anywhere, you know, they were basically like there, go to that, go to that source, go to the center thing, the thing, which all of this is born from, you know, that you, you get there and there's, you know, the darkness can't even comprehend it. Right. The darkness can't comprehend that light because it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's just because it's just so amazing. It's just there. It's irrefutable. Beautiful. Yeah. The Sufi Enneagram is the same thing. You know, you have the, the, the nine points of the Enneagram. You have nine is up at the fulcrum. You have the three and the six and it's the pendulum of the polarities. And then from there, you get the multiplicity of all the different life forms that are born, you know, which are the wings of the Enneagram. So Sufis were onto the same thing. They're describing exactly what Walter Russell described, you know, more for our Western mind to, to digest. So yeah, nothing new under the sun. I, I totally agree with you. It's there's only one source. That's what everybody, uh, uh, you know, derives your, their knowledge from. And, uh, you know, what I've done in, in my systems of medicine, having learned many different systems from different cultures is really try to unify them, demystify, get beyond the cultural metaphors and realize we're all talking about the same thing. 
I'm working with a guy, um, Elsie King, and he's basically taken, and I'm not, once again, this is, you know, when it comes to certain subjects, I'm just not that apt at them. So, you know, he's talking and he's working with another guy, Benjamin Balderson, and they're taking the same sort of knowledge we're talking about. And they're looking at building a battery with this knowledge. Okay. And they're fine. They're like, Hey, they're mentioning this. in uh, this is uh, Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus here in Mercury and the Roman. And then this is Ardhana Visra or whatever it's called in the Vedic. And it's the, it's like the exact same explanation, you know, variances, of course, exoterically, but esoterically, it's the same kit and caboodle. And they're saying, Hey, we can take this knowledge and sure, Marty, you might be able to decipher a language or two. We're going to build a battery with it. It's like, whoa, what the hell is that? You know, once again, where does the knowledge of the battery come from? The Hindus or the Egyptians? No, God. God is, the, you know, just who made the cube? God made the cube. Who made the flower? God made the flower. You know, who made numbers? God made numbers. You know, so that's why I like to say we, we can see all of this comes from the almighty, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's simple, really. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, hey, thanks, Marty, for joining us today. Um, any, uh, if you guys want to get more information from Marty, he does uh, basically what you're doing about a video a week right now, uh, right? Uh, and then, yeah, of course, you say you're going to be doing some more interviews, but it's all martyleads33.com, right? It's, Correct. Uh, the yep. place to go to find everything about Marty. Uh, any parting words for our community, Marty, for today on today's topic? Um, no, don't, don't let, uh, <laughs> don't let media and hype get you down. That's for sure. You know, this isn't, I would say this, like, once again, I'm no prophet, but this isn't any end times, you yeah. know, I'm not saying things aren't going to get bad or that thing uh, darkness isn't in control right now. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I think we can all see it, but if we just go around screaming, the, the sky is going to fall. I think we're going to look like a bunch of idiots. Cause I don't think, I don't think that's the way that God works. I know that's not the way God works. So, yeah. So, and strengthen up and Marty, if go get ahead. some fortitude, stand your ground, understand your spire, understand that you you have the power of God within you and don't take no shit. How about that? That's a good way to end it. Right. Yeah. Unless it's your <laughs> that's dogs. A perfect way. Unless it's All I was going to do is next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Marty, I was just going to uh, finalize by extending an invite to, you know, I know you're contemplating coming out to the left coast and, uh, you know, we're further north, but while you're out here, you might as well come up and see us at the same time. We've got a little guest house for you and uh, you'll have your private swimming hole surrounded by a lot of beauty, waterfalls, mountains. And uh, so come hang out and uh, see us at the farm up here too. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I, there's some people up north I'd like to see from where we're going to be. So, yeah, hopefully we make that trip, too. So Awesome. I appreciate that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. we would love to have you up here, Marty. Um, have a really good time. Bear and I know how to have a have a, have a good laugh. So um, uh, that would be amazing. And so, yeah, guys, if you want to see Marty live, come out to Music and Sky. Go to musicandsky.com. It's the weekend of July 4th. We will be celebrating freedom. We'll be celebrating God and our power and everything and our breath. And uh, we do have still have tickets available. They are going fast. Um, th the location is a pristine 1880s 
uh, mill uh, still has historic landmarks on the land. Uh, and the owner is being very accommodating. It's all private property. It's tucked away up in the mountains. Uh, very special place, off grid. You will have no service. Don't expect to get on your phone while you're there. Uh, it's it's going to be really magical. Uh, we have uh, all the regular characters coming back from Dr. Melissa Sell, Edith Abunto Chan, um, Nathaniel Harlan Graham, who, uh, Bear, we got to get back on, get on this show. He is a powerful force, Marty, for uh, natural law, ecclesiastical law. He's doing a lot of really cool things in, when it comes to notices of liability. Speaking of that, we'll, we'll have Lena Poo there and Josh Del Sol will be doing notices of liability at the event for people. So if you want to come and get activated in the law that way, um, and we're look, working on getting Paul Enslaved there. I don't know, Marty, if you've seen any of Paul Enslaved videos. He's in Colorado. He's he's literally doing the common law stuff right to the police on camera. It's really fascinating to watch. Um, that dude is really tapped into his God self. He, um, he is just amazingly strong person and understands the law uh bear i don't know if you've watched any of his videos but they're entertaining to what's say his least. last name um his channel just goes is paul unslaved and oh, unslaved unslaved and he's just a dude who just is is understands common law natural law and like just drives around without a license plate to get pulled over so then he can have conversations with the police about it all and um and he's not out there like causing wreaking havoc and stuff but he is he is there educating his local police and the conversations he has are amazing like mm -hmm. uh it's really phenomenal uh so anyways uh it's gonna be a sounds great like a terrorist to me yeah exactly <laughs> can, I say, can i say one thing quick yeah please Marty. um i'm going to print hopefully oh, next yes. week is uh something i'm printing out it's called the unanimous redeclaration of we the people it's got oh. um affidavit of status on there as well as the constitution of the united states the declaration of independence bill of rights that whole the whole bit so i'm selling this as one like piece you can get on it'll be on redeclaration.us and martyleads33.com but it's literally uh the redeclaration of independence for everybody in the world which is i wrote and then i act we actually included almost as if this was going to be a passport like you could instead of the vaccine passports we'll get a new passport that says hey we have inherent rights that were given by god go f yourself so anyway there's a passport here it's like you could actually put your you know it's like a literally an affidavit of status so you can put your mm -hmm. contact information that whole bit there and so i'm also giving this away for free so you can download you don't have to pay me any money you can download it no rights reserved literally public domain you can download it copy it yourself sell it yourself don't really care but it's that's going up hopefully next week so thank you marty i was going to actually ask you to mention that so thanks for for doing that that is fantastic work i know you've been putting a lot of effort into that and uh that's all it takes guys is just affirming our sovereignty and knowing and knowing the true god's law and They've got no power over us. So thanks again, Marty. Thanks everybody for joining us today. Get outside, go put your feet in the dirt, go for a hike, uh, plant some food. Nature is uh, the best teacher. Love you guys. And we'll see you next week with Foster Gamble. Going to be a good one. Later.